Hey everyone, you are listening to the official podcast of the Evangelical Free Church of Ken, where our mission is to glorify God, helping each other become mature disciples of Christ as we worship, grow, serve, and reach. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And, uh, and uh, we're going to look at a, a small section of the Christmas story uh, tonight. And uh, a bit that you just heard even read, but we're going to reread that. I'm going to start, Matthew chapter 1, I'm going to start in verse 18 and read through verse 25. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Father, as we look at this text today, may you... Remind us of your faithfulness, remind us of your promises, and Lord, remind us of who you are. Father, may we embrace the reality of life as we see it, knowing that you are in control. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Now, as we step into this, We're going to look a little more detail into some of what this piece of the Christmas narrative reveals. But I want you to pause for a moment and think of the biggest mess you have ever encountered. Okay? You've got that picture in your mind. And now I want you to think a little bit more about how you felt encountering the biggest mess you've ever encountered. Now, if I had to guess... There was probably a little bit of anxiety. There was probably a little bit of exasperation. And there was probably a desire to see it cleaned up as quickly as you could. Now, maybe, just maybe, in the situation that you pictured in your mind, it was one of those situations that demanded you just turn around and walk away for a little bit before encountering it. We've experienced that before, right? That we encounter a mess... And our response to said mess usually says a lot about where we're at personally. 
It usually says a lot about where we're at just in life. And sometimes even a mess that's not that big can feel really big because of all of the other things going on around us. Well, as we encounter the, the, this piece of the Christmas narrative in Matthew chapter 1, um, the main idea that I want you to walk away from here with, that is, if you get nothing else out of this, I want you to grab hold of this, is when life seems like a mess, God isn't. Okay? When life seems like a mess, God isn't. And what I mean by that is God isn't a mess. Okay? God isn't somehow a part of whatever else seems discombobulated in our circles, even when everything feels that way. When life seems like a mess, God isn't. He's not a mess. He's not a wreck. And we're going to look at that just even a little further as we evaluate this narrative. Now, understand here. That the birth of Jesus Christ taking place in this way was not normal. Everyone say not. It is not a normal way that this was all unfolding. And that's because Jesus' birth was no ordinary birth. This happened in such a way that could only come about by God's ordaining and planning. Because... What was happening was so much bigger than anything mankind even was aware of. And in chapter 1, verse 18, we see that this all took place when Jesus' mother, Mary, had been betrothed to Joseph. And before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. So... In the timeline of this, and if you read the narrative of, if you read the Gospel of Luke, it details that an angel appears before Mary and tells her, Mary, you're going to have a child. And Mary's confused by this because she goes, I'm a virgin. How is this going to be? It's a logical question for her to ask. And the angel assures her this is going to happen by the Holy Spirit. And at the end of this, Mary says, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me as God has willed. Well, that's all taken place. And now we kind of get to see this perspective while at the same time, the other piece of the story. Because the reality here is Mary is betrothed that in our terminology, in our culture, would be engaged. But it was so much more than just an engagement. And to highlight this a little further, I want to read to you just a a brief excerpt out of uh, one of my favorite commentaries. Because I think it does a phenomenal job of highlighting what this betrothal in Scripture actually meant. So I'm going to read to you a little bit out of the Moody Bible commentary. It says, Jewish marriage practices had the groom taking the initiative in approaching the father of the prospective bride. If the bride's father agreed to the marriage, the groom paid a price called a mohar, a sort of reverse dowry that compensated the bride's family for any financial loss they might incur without her help in the family business. 
the couple exchanged vows and was considered legally married. The dissolution of the marriage during betrothal required formal divorce. The couple did not cohabit for a year while the groom prepared living quarters, often attached to his father's house. After the year, the groom and his friends would surprise the bride and her family, the wedding feast would begin, further vows would be exchanged, and the marriage consummated. It was during the year of betrothal that Mary's pregnancy was discovered. Marriage would have been tacit admission by Joseph that the child was his, possibly something intolerable to this righteous man. But he was kind as well and intended to divorce her secretly by writing a bill of divorcement in the presence of two or three witnesses, rather than suing Mary and her family to recoup the mohar and to make a case for his innocence. This was a mess. And it's kind of an understatement. And when we read this, that Mary had already been betrothed to Joseph, we don't often picture all of these other cultural details. We tend to approach it from a westernized culture and go, oh, well, they were engaged. Well, it was a lot bigger deal than that. Legally, in their culture, they were already married. They were awaiting the marriage supper to take place and everything to be finalized. And now this news comes. Whoa. Mary's reputation is on the line. Joseph's reputation is on the line. Both families' reputations are on the line. It was a mess. None of this panned out the way Mary and Joseph had planned on it. Yet, it was within the mess... That God was fulfilling His greatest promise of salvation using broken people to do it. And so the first thing I want us to recognize here about all of this is that when life seems like a mess, God is present in it. When life just seems to be unfolding at a rate that you can't handle, and chaos seems to be erupting, God is still present. In fact, He's omnipresent. It means He's present everywhere, all the time, at any point in time. And if we read further into the New Testament, we see even in Romans that the creation declares His glory. You see that in the Psalms and in the New Testament. God is present even in the mess. And He was very evidently present here. And that's what we often focus all our attention on. Well, this was all part of God's plan. Well, was that how Mary and Joseph felt? I'm not convinced it was. Now, their responses are ones that I don't know that I can honestly say I would respond the same way. I think I would struggle And Mary comes away from speaking with this angel and goes, let it be to me as the Lord wills. Can we honestly say that? Joseph accepts the mess at the end of all of this. And you got to recognize here that 
This whole narrative that they were speaking, the angel appeared to them. It didn't appear to everyone else that they knew. So we have no idea what the, the, what the gossip train was doing in the culture that they were in at this time. It, it was a mess. And yet in the mess, God is present. Now another thing to note in the midst of this. When life seems like a mess, God is faithful. God is faithful. In verse 19 of Matthew 1, it says, And her husband Joseph, being a just man, and he was unwilling to put her to shame, praise God for that, he resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit." You see, what's really interesting about this is that in the midst of this, Mary has clearly communicated to Joseph already that she's with child. Because it says, while they're betrothed, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And Joseph is now taking the steps needed. He's clearly taken some time to process through this and go, I don't know what I should do. I don't want... My name to be tainted, but I definitely don't want her to reap the consequences of this. And she's saying, this is of the Lord, but I'm struggling. Like, this is a mess. And so he's in the process. He had resolved. He'd made up his mind. This is what I'm going to do. And God is faithful to communicate with him at the right time. Exactly to fulfill his purposes and his promises. Now, if you're in Joseph's shoes here, you could have been sitting back and saying, God, why couldn't you have come to me first? So when Mary came, I was like, I already know it's all good. Well, I really believe and I, I really believe God had a purpose for growth here, both in Mary's life and in Joseph's. Because this took a lot of faith. And when we encounter the mess that life throws at us, it takes a lot of faith to step into that and go, Lord, I'm going to trust you because I believe you are faithful. Not just when things seem to be going my way, but even more so when things aren't, I know that you are faithful. And so the third thing in this that I want us to recognize is when life seems like a mess, God calls us to trust Him. says to Joseph in verse 20, the angel of the Lord says to Joseph, do not fear to take Mary as your wife. That's a lot easier for the angel to say than I believe it was for Joseph to accept. She will bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Joseph, don't fear. Trust me. This child is of God. Trust me. This child will save his people from their sins. Trust me. 
All this took place to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son. They shall call his name Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Trust me. And when Joseph woke from his sleep, what did he do? (laughs) He trusted the Lord. And he did as the angel had commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. He trusted and he obeyed. Now, this season, as we talked about already, no doubt brings with it a time of great joy and celebration. But for some, it does not. And this season can be attached to grief and loneliness and anxiety. A mess. Right? And yet what we see here is Joseph embracing the mess. Mary embracing the mess and trusting the Lord because He's present, because He's faithful, Because He's God, and in the mess, God isn't a mess. He's still God. And so I want want to mention three biblical truths that I believe we see take place when we embrace the mess. Okay? To follow after this, to understand what, what happens when I can... Mentally do this. And the first thing that happens is by embracing the mess, I admit the reality of what life is. Life is hard. Relationships are hard. Grief and loss are hard. And man, I tell you what, the person who has successfully somehow been able to sell that do this and life will be peachy is one of the greatest con artists of our time. Because all of us, even right now sitting here, can recognize seasons of our life, even if it's not right now, that are hard. And every one of us, I believe, would tell our children and our friends, life is hard sometimes. And when I can embrace the messiness of life around me, there's a piece of this that I am just recognizing and admitting that because of sin, the sin that we see in the book of Genesis at the beginning of Scripture, because of sin and the flesh of mankind, this is what reality is. And that leads to the second point, which the first has to be recognized before I can get to the second. And that is by embracing the mess, I realize my daily need for the gospel. The gospel being the good news. And let me tell you, the good news is not nearly as good unless we know that there's bad. Because without the bad, why do I need good news? The reality is when I embrace the mess of everything going on, 
I realize that I need the salvation that can only be offered in Christ. I need help. I need the grace of God, but I don't deserve it. And when I can embrace the messiness around me, I realize I need help. That life is difficult, the reality of sin is present, and I need something that is more powerful than sin. That's where joy comes in, church. Because that is found in Christ. And that leads once again to the third biblical truth that we see. And each one of these we see throughout the whole narrative of Scripture. By embracing the mess, I rest in the promise of future hope. You see, when I can admit that reality is hard and life is messy and that I need salvation, I need help, it also brings me to this reality that the hope that I long for will not be fulfilled here. That the hope that I long for is something that I cannot attain on this side of eternity. But that in Christ, there is a hope that I can look to in the midst of the messiness and it parallels with the hope and the fulfillment of promise that Mary and Joseph looked to knowing what they had been told. They anticipated the birth of this child who would save his people from their sins. Church, you have been told that the only way to grasp hold of this eternal hope is in Christ. But is your focus on that which can only be future? Or is your focus here in the temporary mess of all that's going on? Because no matter how hard you and I try to fix the mess, it's still going to be a mess. It doesn't matter how good of an organizer or cleaner you are. You're going to wake up tomorrow and there's going to be another mess. Until eternity. Until we're in the presence of the Lord. Because my goodness. He has revealed to us. That through his son. He can take. The most broken. Messiest situation. And turn it into life. He can take the darkness of nothing. And create the world. And so in embracing the mess, I rest in the promise that there is a future hope that cannot be shaken. So, there are three applications that I want you to walk away from this with. What do I do in the mess? When I've embraced the mess, what do I do? Okay. The first thing is, in the mess... Remind each other of the message. In the mess, remind each other. This is why we need each other. Remind each other of the message. And here is an instance in Scripture where we see this. Paul said to Timothy, as he's commanding this young man who's leading the church, he says, The saying is trustworthy. 
For if we have died with him, he will also we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. Remind them of these things. And charge them before God not to quarrel about words which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Remind them of these things. Remind them of these future hopes. Remind them of the promise that even when we are faithless, God will remain faithful. Because He's God. In the mess, remind each other of the message. Secondly, in the mess, root into God's truth. Root into His truth. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates when? Day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. In the mess... Remind each other of the message, but root yourself into God's truth. And the last one is probably the most challenging. In the mess, relinquish control. And I will admit this is the hardest one for me. And I would guess it's the hardest one for you. Because the greatest thing that we have in common is that you and I are in the flesh. And my goodness, in our flesh, do we want to control what is going on around us? But here's what 1 Peter 5 says. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time, God's time, not mine, at the proper time, He may exalt you. Notice who is the one who does the exalting. It's God who does this, not myself. Casting all your anxieties on Him because He cares for you. Church, this season right now that we're in in our culture, in our community, in our country, in our world, feels like a giant mess. But God isn't. He's still God. He's still in control. He's still faithful. And I know for many of you individually in your own homes, in your own lives, you are struggling with a mess. And you need to hold this truth close, knowing that God is present in the mess. He is faithful in the mess. And He is calling you to trust Him in the mess. To relinquish control and know That He has this. And He has from the beginning of time. And if He has this from the beginning of time, my goodness, He has the breath of mist that our life is 
in the scheme of eternity. So church, I want to challenge you as we go from here today to think through the Christmas narrative not in the glorified light that we can sometimes portray it to be, but recognize the messiness in the midst of that. And that was the setting. That was the mess that God used to fulfill the greatest promise and the greatest hope that's been given to us. And we celebrate the joy that comes as a result of that. But don't feel like somehow you have to overlook the mess before you can come to the manger. Jesus came to bring life. And that life and that hope is secure regardless of what you're experiencing today. It's the same. Because it's the same God. Amen? I'm going to ask the worship team to come. We're going to sing that song you heard at the very beginning together. Emmanuel. God with us. So let's stand. I'm going to pray for us. And we're going to sing that song together as we close. Father, we believe that you are a holy God. And that you are the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Lord, help us to see your presence in the midst of our mess. Lord, that we would confess our wrongdoings before you and fully recognize our need for your help today. Father, we worship you out of a place of brokenness, but also out of a place of great joy, knowing the salvation that has been given us in Christ. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen.